I don't think I've seen so much heartbreak over when Enoch uh, was left behind. That was that was a lot of fun. I, I I was very tired after doing that run. I don't know, maybe at least six or eight times. Oh <laughs> wow! At full sprint. Wow. But it was fun. It was great. And again, it was another thing where like they they just they left the camera going after I got to that my my mark where I had to stop. And nobody yelled cut, so I just kept kind of rolling with it. And, and I think it, it, was, it was good. It worked out. Welcome to the first installment of our interview series here at the Marvelous Madams podcast, Studio Sessions with the Madams. Our guest today has appeared in a long list of films and TV shows over the last 25 years. He's also received critical acclaim for his stage work and production design. But our Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. fans will know him best as sentient Chronicom and best friend of Leopold Fitz, Enoch Coltrane. Welcome to the show and thank you so much for being here, Mr. Joel Stofer. Uh, thank you very much. Very glad to be here. So how's life been treating you in these interesting times? Oh, you know, treating me pretty well, um, me and my my family. Um, we are, I, I, you know, I'm grateful every day that <laughs> considering what we're all going through, that, you know, we're still we're still around and healthy. So you were in your early 20s when you landed your first network TV gig on uh, CBS, uh, Diagnosis Murder, yes? Yeah, I, gosh, I, that's, that is true. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was born 60 years old so I was a fan of that show. <laughs> so that's that's pretty young to land a role. Um when did you decide you wanted to be an actor? Uh that came in uh in in high school actually. Um I had done theater in high school and knew that it was something that I was passionate about from a pretty early age. It was acting and and Actually, architecture were two things that I really loved. And I, I went, I applied to some schools, and the, the two that I got into had, were more heavily uh, weighted towards theater arts. And so that's the direction I went in, and I kind of like passed up on getting an architecture degree. But I would, sort, I would come around, I would come back to that later. <laughs> I still don't have an architecture degree, but I, I did end up pursuing architecture, and that's something that I still that I still do. I'm doing currently, actually. Oh, that's actually quite interesting. Would you say that would that influenced you in your set design work? Oh, definitely, definitely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, um, just having a sense of theater um, and how um, how images just physically can affect people's emotions when they're watching something in, in the theater and, and how, to, how to create a space for actors to move around in to convey whatever, you know, is not being said in the text. Right. And so, so having a, a way to, uh, to visualize that, I think, was the, something that always fascinated me and challenged me. Okay. Um, do you think that set design can influence you as an actor? Absolutely. Absolutely. It, I mean, it, it does in theater and, and it certainly does in, in film. I mean, it, the difference between playing a scene with no set <laughs> and playing a scene with a set is, is night and day. Uh, when, when, you, when you have a, a whole crew uh, 
uh, you know, putting together a set and, and your wardrobe and everything. And, and then you as the actor, you, know, you come in with your lines memorized and you're really just walking into that world. It makes, it makes your ability to believe the circumstances that much easier. I mean, uh, it, it's, it's everything, definitely. Okay. So uh, what kind of training did you pursue then in terms of both acting and design? For, it was a theater degree that I that I got from from Bard College uh, in New York City, and for architecture, I just mostly it was hands on experience. Um, I uh, I did take architecture classes, uh, so I studied just kind of the basics of architecture, just to you know to have just an understanding of what it means to put together a set of construction drawings and that kind of thing. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> And then, and then it was for, I, I have been a, a Finnish carpenter, you know, cause acting is, has, is, uh, that kind of job, unless you're really lucky to just be somebody who works constantly. It's just that kind of job that comes, uh, only once in a while. And I've been lucky enough to have some steady work with acting, which has been great, but there have been times where I haven't. And so you got to pay the bills. Right. Yeah. And, uh, so, uh, I was, I've been a Finnish carpenter. I've been, I, I do, uh, had been, you know, building built-ins and kitchens, bookcases, things like that for like 25, almost 30 years. Wow. And, uh, so that combined with my, you know, desire and my interest in, uh, in, in design eventually led me to just like wanting to move on from the physical labor of doing work. <laughs> it's very rewarding, you know, I really actually enjoyed it, but it, it really took a toll on my body. Yeah, sure, of course. And, uh, and so I kind of have started to focus more on the design in the last, you know, five or 10 years. Right. So I, I'm, I'm, that's what I'm doing right now. Um, and it just is really a, a most, mostly self-taught. I mean, it's just about being on the job and, and learning about how things fit together and, and, translating that onto the page. Okay. So you've received cl critical acclaim for this design. You actually won an ovation award for best set design uh, for Coyote and Offense in LA a while back. Yeah. You did some research. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> we, are, we are nothing if not thorough. <laughs> That's great. So I'm curious, which did you prefer, New York or LA? Oh, oh well, no, I haven't. Uh, I, I haven't really done any work in in, in New York. Uh, I was only there for college. Okay. Because I'm I'm from LA, and I, I toyed with the idea of staying in New York when I graduated, but I had a lot of contacts here in LA, and I knew I needed to try to make those happen and and, and pursue those. So came back to LA, and I've been here ever since. Oh, okay. That's that's great. Yeah. How was your time with the Alliance Repertory Company? It was great. It was great. That's where I, I did my theater work of, for 15 years was mostly there. I mean, I have I, I did some other shows outside of the Alliance during that time, but, but that was home for sure. And, and it was an opportunity to just get really involved in the process of like what it means to run a theater and, and produce theater and design sets and build them and be an actor and director. And I mean, all aspects of the theater, I, I got to explore, which was really great. So your work uh, in the theater and really getting involved, would you say that 
influenced you as an actor and your role in all the roles that you've done so far? Uh, well, yeah, I, mean, I would say I would say every every role that I've done, you know, adds to every role that comes after. In in some, I think that I assume that's true for for every actor. I mean, I don't know that I consciously took anything from those roles or those that experience, uh, but it's just you know, it's all wrapped up in me, <laughs> and it's got to come out. It's got to right. come out somehow. Yeah, right. It, it builds on itself. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. So with all these connections that you've built up along the way, is that how you landed the role of Enoch or did you audition? Can you tell us about that whole process? Yeah, um, that's that's actually a really cool story. So I it, it is about connection so much in, in this town, in the acting world. I lived in an apartment in North Hollywood about 25 years ago now. God. Yeah, it's been about that, um, is when I first moved in. And for like about a year or two that I was living in this apartment, I had a neighbor who had a housemate who was this this woman named Hannah Cooper. And she was like 20 at the time. And I mean, I didn't really know her, but we were friends. And, and you know, we would say hi to each other once in a while and chat for a while. And then literally like 20 years later, she... She knew that I was an actor, but, you know, she, I guess, had not been in a position to, to do anything. But 20 years later, she called me in. She was working at, uh, in Sarah Finn's office, casting Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And uh, she called me in, and, and I auditioned for a couple of roles on that show in seasons three and four, I want to say. Okay. Yeah, and I didn't get them. And then I got a call from my manager at some point towards the end of season of season four and she said that they had offered me a role and it was the role actually originally it was just the silhouetted man yes i was hoping to actually ask you because generally from i have no idea about the industry at all but i have noticed like at the end of a season when they want to introduce a new character sometimes the voice doesn't match but in your case it did match to when you did come in as Enoch. Right. So this was supposed to just right. be the silhouetted man and that's it? Well, no, they, they had said uh, that if they get uh, picked up for a fifth season, that there was a chance I would come back for maybe one or two episodes. Wow. And um, yeah, yeah. So I was, of course, very excited when they got picked up and I thought, oh, I'm going to do a couple more episodes. How cool. Yeah. And um, it just kind of you know, snowballed from there, it clicked for everybody, you know, and that's, that's just one of those amazing things that, that can happen sometimes in this business. And I'm just like, you know, I'm still blown away by it. Wow. Yeah. It just kept going. What was your relationship to the show before you auditioned for anything? Was it on your radar? Were you a fan? Oh, I mean, I was, I was a fan of the show. I, I, I hadn't, I'd only seen a couple of episodes. Um, and then, when I booked the role, I was like, I better catch up on this. <laughs> and, and so I, I started watching and I like, once I got into it, I, I was hooked. I mean, I, I kept like putting other things off so I could binge watch to get caught up. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, so I became a fan of the show for sure. Yeah. It's like a book you can't put down. Yeah. But, it, but, but I mean, just to get back to that, you know, 
the importance of having connections, you know, you know, never burning a bridge <laughs> because you never know when it's going to come back around. And, and so for Hannah to have like reached out 20 years later, that's incredible. Uh, it's pretty cool. Yeah. And, and then, you know, throw my name into the mix for this role that they were going to offer to somebody. I mean, I was, I was one of several people that had their, their video reel sent to the producers and for, for whatever reason they they chose me off of that off of my my reel we could just say that we're super happy that they chose you yes they, they <laughs> went the right way i think i think so i think they knew what they were doing oh absolutely yes yeah yeah so what was it like joining such an established ensemble cast this late in a series run it, it was it was phenomenal. Uh, I mean, everybody welcomed me with open arms, you know, and and nobody even really knew even even the I don't even think the, the writers and the producers knew exactly how much they were going to use me. So I don't think they had to be nice to me. <laughs> I mean, they, they were all just really, really great. And, and we've become friends, you know, uh, over the last few years. And and that's that's just a credit to you know, the people at the top, I mean, uh, Jed and Marissa and, and Jeff Bell. And I mean, all those guys were, you know, so inclusive and they're, you know, they made it part of their goal to make anybody on that show part of the family, you know, even if it was just a one day guest star, they were, you know, really, really, uh, warm and welcoming. And, and I think as long as they, continued to get that back from whoever they added to the show, uh, they would, they would keep putting it out there. Yeah. If, if somebody was, was not a good fit for them and didn't really have, uh, the right attitude, then they could be gone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I know that that I, I'd heard that that had happened, you know, but, but that's understandable. I mean, that wasn't coming from them. That was, that was just what the actor you know, makes of their situation. Yeah. And I think that having a, a good rapport with people you work with is super important and it's completely understandable. It makes a big difference in, in the team. Yes. And that shows, that shows through in every episode too. It really does. I think so. It, it, it really helps the, the overall vibe uh, of the show. Yeah. What kind of, uh, what was your biggest challenge that you faced while you were playing Enoch? Um, I think it was, it was just trying to find the, the line between how much robot and how much human to bring to the role. Well, I mean, the thing is, at, at first I didn't even know, you know, certainly at, at, in episode 422, I had no idea you know, that what I was, they wouldn't, they, they, they wouldn't tell me anything. I don't even think they knew. <laughs> I mean, wow. they, had a, they had a sense of what, of what they where they might go in, in a season five. But at that point in season four, it was just like, I don't, I think they needed, like they needed somebody that was sort of a catalyst to get them, you know, onto that next plot line. Right. But, but I don't know that they knew, you know, that I was going to be this, this, Chronicon alien. Okay. And, and so that kind of came about in the, in the hiatus after, you know, season four was finished and they started, you know, really writing those episodes. 
And so, so it wasn't until episode 501 that I learned that, I mean, my, my actual, my character name on that first uh, episode on the, in the script was actually Silas, believe it or oh. not. Yeah. And then they, they decided to, uh, before the episode aired, uh, they changed it to Enoch, which I think is a much better name. Yes. That's a little bit of information. But, <laughs> um, <laughs> but, but again, they, so they, you know, there was so little that they could tell me and I was just making it up as I went along. And I think that what we all kind of realized was that, yes, he's an alien and he's an android, but he, he can't, you know, I can't, I don't want to play him as a, a total robot. There has to be some element of, of humanity to him or vulnerability to him. Right. But still, you can't go too far in that direction either. So, so finding that balance was the key. That was the biggest struggle. You do a brilliant job of walking that line. And in fact, like there are times when I find Enoch very reminiscent of Mr. Spock in that regard. Yes. Yeah. yeah absolutely. I mean, I, I don't, I have never, you know, consciously drawn from, from Spock or, or from uh, the actor who played Data. Oh, Brent, Brent Spiner. Yeah. 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 Brent, Brent Spiner. Um, another great example of that kind of character. But I, I know that I would not have had, you know, the character that I that I brought without those guys. Like, there's just no way because I watched them so much when I was younger. And, and I, I am definitely pulling from from what they did. Right. Doubt. So did you revisit them now that you knew at this point before 501 that you were playing this android character? Did you revisit any of these old favorites or what kind of preparation did you do? I didn't, I didn't really, I didn't look into that at all. I just, um, I just kind of winged it. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I mean, in all honesty, I think I just, I just took what I could off the page that I was reading in the scene and, and found something in my voice that seemed to click and then didn't, I, I, I think, so what it was for me is, is, and I kind of said this the other, the other day in an interview too, that I did, um, which is like whenever I would have an emotional reaction to a situation in a scene, instead of having the emotional reaction, you know, be an emotional reaction, I would, I would turn it into curiosity and into intrigue so that, you know, that's, and, and that was it. Like I wouldn't let it go past just curiosity and intrigue. And, and I really got that from the, the script because they, you know, the, the characters described as a sentient chronicon mm-hmm. and that, and, and an anthropologist, uh, you know, he's basically a scientist. And so I just kind of left it at that and, and let that, let that kind of feed my responses to any given situation. I'm really glad you. I'm really glad you brought that up because Enoch's voice is such an important aspect of the character, and we can say now that you sound different than Enoch does. And what I'm wondering is, have you ever considered doing voice work because you're made you're made for it? Yeah. <laughs> well, I have, um, and I and I have done some, and I I'm actually pursuing that currently <laughs> even more okay but in the last in the last year i have actually been able to do some voice work and i'm hoping to do more for sure something that we could maybe know about right now yeah there's a, a netflix documentary on 
on Maradona, the, the soccer player. Oh, from uh, from Argentina. Okay, and it's all in Spanish, and so they have a lot of interviews uh, with Maradona, where you know he's he's talking a lot, and they needed somebody to voice him in English, and so they they hired me for that, <laughs> which is, and it's a totally different voice than than you know. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> And so that was fun. And then there was another another Netflix job that I did uh, for dubbing. It, it, so the, the, the work that I've done so far has been dubbing over um, Spanish-speaking actors in English. Okay. Um, that's that's So far, that's what I've done. And, and you know, but I, I expect that there will be more coming. I think so. Yeah, I and I think, I think we can speak for all the fan base of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. where we say that everyone would love that. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so what aspect of working on the show did you enjoy the most? Oh, um, so much of it. Um, I mean, anytime I got to be, you know, performing with, with the other actors, I think, on the, the set, that that's where that's where it all lives for me. I mean, you know, getting to be you know, from the moment the word action is called and, and you get to have a scene with somebody. Um, I mean, especially because, you know, it's so fleeting in film and TV. And that is really what we are so primed to do. I mean, there's so much more that happens, you know, before and after that moment. <laughs> uh, so it's those moments between action and cut that, that are really like like where you get to fly and you get to, you get to experience that thing that you that has driven you for all these years right um, and, and the, the actors on the show uh were so so great and fun and you know so much so much laughing and, and goofing around and, and you know having jokes which is all part of the process really i mean it's not just you know goofing off it's how how you connect in between the scenes when you're working with your, your, your fellow actors and it develops, it's how you develop the rapport so that when you do get to be on, you know, shooting the scene, that report really can come through. Right. That, that you've been, you know, developing, you know, when you're sitting offset and chatting and gabbing and all that. Yeah. It does really shine through. Yeah. Was season six an extra special treat for you to film as a set designer? Because they have done such an amazing job with the little details and the time travel for this season. It's been lovely. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was great. It was so fun. And and, and I really, you know, uh, being being, a, you know, a set designer and builder over, over the years, I mean, um, watching what they did with, you know, taking a soundstage from one plot line to the next you know where like it would be one scene one set for for one plot line and then the, you'd move away from it and you you know other things are being shot they're completely revamping that same set and transforming it into something that's unrecognizable in the next plot line you know as and becomes something completely different that was really fun to see how they they just could transform something like that really quickly but, but, I mean, you know, getting to play on it was even more. <laughs> <laughs> right. Can you give us an example? Like, the, did the Zephyr double as anything else? <laughs> no, the Zephyr is the Zephyr. Okay. Zephyr, the Zephyr 
Zephyr is always the Zephyr. Um, it, it got uh, revamped a few times, uh, and, and you know, some things changed in it, but but it's always the Zephyr. Uh, but like for instance, um, the in season seven, the bar um, where you know I have I have my my scene with uh, like with with Koenig and then and then with um, you'll 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 see. <laughs> uh, but uh, that bar was the same place where they had the bar on uh, Kitson in season six. Okay, right. Which is one of the best one of the best episodes. <laughs> right, right. See episode three. I mean, and and then you see it again in several episodes. Uh, but that bar was you know the planet Kitson brothel slash you know, casino and, and they, they just, you know, moved a few things around and totally transformed it into another bar. And like, I mean, I think it also, I want to say there was another, another way that we used that. And I'm not remembering what it was exactly. There was another, it had that, that set, that very set had been another uh, scene as well. And, and it's, I just love that they can, they can take it, the same space, basically the same walls and just, you know, reinvent them that way. Yeah. And have you as a set designer ever been tempted to give your input? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, those, I mean, I did, I did it for theater. And so it's, a, it, it's, it, you know, it, it's kind of the same bones, but it's still a very, a very different medium. I mean, I, I wouldn't, I, I did there. I did talk to a lot of the set guys on on Agents of Shield, and and I told them that I had done it in the in the years past, and so we did get to to chat, and they they appreciated that I I, I knew what their job was about and what they what they did and and how valuable it is, and so we, we got to have some good conversations. But I, I would never presume to to offer my input. Those guys are total pros. <laughs> they know they know what they're doing. Yeah. <laughs> So can you tell us, without spoiling anything, what was your favorite scene to film? Oh, wow. Well, I mean, definitely uh, 603, um, the scene, you know, the, the existential angst <laughs> <laughs> that, he, that he goes through in, in season six. Uh, that was, it was so much fun because, you know, again, it was like, well, working with, with the writer, with Craig Tippy on that and, and with Jesse Bochco, who was directing it, and they they trusted me, you know. They said, they said let's, what, how, do you wanna, how do you see playing this scene? What do, what do you want to do with this? And I was able to just kind of come up with a couple of moments here and there. And and I had, I had you know, made a suggestion of, of doing something, and then, and then Jesse was like, eh, maybe we won't go that way. Partly just because, like, it would have meant a whole new setup with lights and camera, okay. <laughs> which, you know, that was already an incredibly long shoot day as it was. So sometimes decisions are, are made based on just, like, logistics of things. But we ended up making it work, you know, and having fun. And, and Jesse was like, you're making choices that are are bringing a lot more to the scene, and, and we're just going to follow that. And so... And he and he would have told me if you know he said like you know sometimes actors will make choices and and he has to be like mm, no, <laughs> and then and then other times you know it, it's it's the right way to go and and I think having that kind of collaboration is what makes it uh, a great experience. That's uh, that's fantastic. And how much over the years have you been able to give in terms of input to your character? 
Um, as as Enoch or just just in general? Uh, as Enoch, how much did you influence Enoch? I I think I would have to say, I, I, you know, without like tuning my own horn too much. Um, I mean, I, I it pretty much came from me. I mean, they they made they made the right choice in in, in having me, you know, play the role in hiring me to begin with. <laughs> but I, I think that you know, once I once I got to you know make some choices and 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 just like I mean, I remember thinking like I have no idea what I'm doing here. And I'm just going to have to go into this and trust it and not get in my own way. You know, I'm not going to freak myself out. I'm not going to, you know, scare myself away from this. I, I just have to trust that, that I'm going to make the choices that are going to work. And, and so I, and they let me do it. And I think what was cool is that like they, at, at any point they could have said, you know what, mm, this is not really working. We're just going to have to write this character out of the show and leave it at that. And I, I think they could have done that, and, and they and I totally understand that because, you know, they got to do what they have to do to keep the show interesting and keep it moving. But each episode that came up, they it, it kept inspiring them. What I was doing was inspiring them to keep writing for me, and and that's what was really fun. And so I I got I got to inspire the writers, and they helped guide what I came in to do each day, you know, because of what they wrote, I got to say their lines. And, and without those lines, I, you know, <laughs> don't have a lot of the great moments that Enoch gets to have. Right. And, you know, we've talked on our show about the fact that Fitz has been missing all of the season, but it hasn't, it hasn't detracted from the show in any way. It's given the rest of the characters a lot more time with their arcs. And Enoch has been a big part of filling that void and just being this breath of fresh air. Oh, good. I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Is there a particularly memorable, like, behind-the-scenes moment that you can share? Boy, um, I mean, there's so there's so many of them. I, 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 I'm trying to think back. I mean, I, you know, it's, now it's, God, it's been a while. I mean, oh boy, I can't even come up with anything right now. My mind's, <laughs> like, racing through so many different um, <gasps> moments. Um well, if you're having trouble choosing, you don't have to just say one. Because yeah. <laughs> you know, I keep wanting to go to this one, but I can't talk about it yet because it hasn't happened yet. But right. <laughs> um, Maybe we'll have you back after the show's over. <laughs> then you can talk to us about it. <laughs> Otherwise, the Marvel, the Marvel snipers will be on, on a rooftop somewhere. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. They'll take me out. And us out, too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Disney is, Disney is, you know, very serious about that kind of thing. Yeah. Any funny scenes, Any funny th anything funny that happened that you can talk about? Anybody get cake in their face on their birthday? <laughs> <laughs> there were lots of birthday celebrations. I got to have, I mean, that, that was the other thing that, that, you know, that worked out on, on episode uh, 603, you know, when we were doing that existential angst scene. My, I got to shoot that on my birthday. Oh wow! Oh and wow! So we to, yeah, we had to. We had a, a little celebration. Um, so that was just an epic day all the way around for me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but that was that was a fairly common thing. I mean, there was always somebody's birthday, you know, cast or crew that was being celebrated. It seems, uh, and and everybody was elevated to a, a high level 
regardless of, you know, what they were doing on the show. That was pretty cool. That's lovely. And may I just yeah, say, yeah. perfect day to shoot an existential angst sort of scene <laughs> on your birthday. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I, I, uh, I loved it. It was, it was really great. You've been very vocal on Twitter about social justice and politics. We feel that Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. has been really good this season with addressing racism and sexism. How yeah. do you feel about that? I am I'm really proud of the way that they uh, they try to address it. I mean, because you know, obviously, it's a it's a a very fine line that that they can walk. Where you know, if they come out too strong in one direction, then it it, it really it becomes distracting from what the show is about. And and there's only so much they can do. And I think that they take it to a good point in terms of drawing attention to issues politically and socially that people need to be aware of and people need to think about. And I think if it just is enough to plant the seed, the audience's mind, then they've done their job, you know, and, and I think they, they handle that really well at, uh, in terms of dealing with discrimination and political issues, giving, giving women more powerful roles, I think has been really um, a pretty bright point for the show. Yes. Yes. And Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. has been, really great since day one about that. Yeah. Yeah. Generally speaking, in, in terms of the content we all consume, how do you think we can be better allies to people of color? I think that it's time to really start being more vocal about it and, and uh, you know, sitting back and just, you know, saying I'm, I'm not racist is, is not enough. We have to be. We have to be anti-racist. We have to really come out actively, showing support and and bringing uh, that awareness to any situation we go into. Um, and anytime we see racism, even in subtle ways, I think we have to be vocal about what we see, call it out. Yeah, definitely. I think it's really critical. I mean, and clearly, you know voting in people into office that are aware of that and recognize that that's such a, an important thing. I, I think that's, that's going to be everything. I mean, if we can get our, our, our population to, to vote, I think we'll be okay. Uh, that's really the biggest uh, obstacle right now, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, agreed. So now we saved the most important question for last. We and our listeners are dying to know, what exactly is in a barraculata? <laughs> I wish I knew. <laughs> uh, I know that it, it was usually kind of like a, it had like a lemony, some kind of a citrusy quality to it. But the, the prop guy that, that made the drink w did not really make it to be good. <laughs> he, he, I mean, he made sure that it wasn't going to be toxic. <laughs> Uh, and it was, and it was. I, I don't know if he even made it the same way every time. I mean, it was, it was really so much for show. But I mean, I, ha I would have a sip of it, and it was fine. It wasn't like bad tasting, but it was not something that I was like, "Yeah, give me one of the, give me another one." <laughs> and I never got the actual list of ingredients. I'm sad to say. <laughs> other than other than what you could see, which were eyeballs of some sort. Okay. I don't know if you can tell when you when you see uh, 
you see me drinking one of them. I'll be honest, I, I missed that. I missed that part. <laughs> yeah. It, 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 there's, there's, there's an eyeball that's on a toothpick, like a skewer, and it's some kind of an eyeball thing. And other than that... I definitely thought that was an onion. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you know what? Maybe maybe they didn't want to like like make it, you know, so obviously an eyeball. I think maybe it's kind of subtle. <laughs> but um, that was the idea. And seeing an eyeball in your drink <laughs> would certainly make you not want another one, no matter how good yes. it is. Exactly. So uh, you have a little upcoming project. Can you tell us just a little bit about that? Only that uh, it, it is an episode, um, at least one. I, I, they haven't said anything more to me than that on Stranger Things, season four. Wow. Um, which they cast, uh, they cast me during during the quarantine. It was a, a maybe it was like right after the quarantine started, and they have been on hiatus, um, obviously. And I know that. Georgia has kind of semi restarted production, you know, in a very limited capacity. Um, and I, but I have not heard anything about uh, when Stranger Things is going to be back. Um, so I expect to hear in the next couple of weeks and, and get my dates for when I'm supposed to go there. Okay. All right. And that's that's so fitting because there have been a number of times watching Agents of Shield where I've thought, oh, this this uh theme music right now reminds me of Stranger Things. Oh, right, right, yes. It does have that 80s vibe to it sometimes. Well, now our listeners are going to be extra excited for Stranger Things because there's definitely overlap between the fans of Marvel and fans of Stranger Things for sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the only thing I'll say is it's a it's a very different character than Enoch. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I can. That's all I can get about it. Well, uh, hopefully we don't have you just for uh, one or two episodes. We we get to see more of you. Oh, that would be great. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, as we finish up here, can you tell our listeners where they can find you online? They can find me on uh, on Twitter and uh, Instagram, and I mean those are those are some of the places. So, your Twitter handle is at o b l e y o. How do you pronounce that? It's Oblio, and it's a nickname that my uncle gave me when I was when I was a kid in the seventies because it's it's the name. There was a there was an animated film back I think it was seventy one or two, and it's called The Point. And there is uh, a little boy in this animated movie named Oblio. And so at the time, it was kind of like a very popular thing. And my uncle decided to call me Oblio. And it kind of stuck. So um, within my family. (laughs) (laughs) I knew there had to be a story there. (laughs) It's pretty obscure. But um, anyway, (laughs) yes, it's at Oblio. But if you just, you know, if you go on Twitter and you type in Joel Stover, it'll come up. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you for your time. I enjoyed it. Thanks. It's been a lot of fun. All right. Well, thanks so much. We can't wait to see the rest of the season. Um, and good luck with Stranger Things. Thank you so much. Keep, keep watching, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> we sure will. Thank you so much. All right. So that was our interview with Joel Stofer. We can't wait to see what the rest of the season has in store for our beloved Enoch. Thank you, madams, for joining us today. If you're new to the podcast, we have a whole series of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and new episodes dropping every week through the series finale. I'm Madam Chris. 
And I'm Madam Amy. Assemble with us Monday for our regularly scheduled programming. <laughs> Please rate and review us on iTunes and visit us at themarvelousmadams.com, where infinity stones are a girl's best friend.